Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. All right. Uh, grab your Bibles uh, this morning with me. We're going to deal with a concept that I'm calling cultivating the kingdom. Uh, my first passage of scriptures is going to come out of the book of Matthew, uh, th- chapter number 13. I'm actually going to uh, get my wife to read this passage of scriptures to you out of the Amplified Version, uh, which to me it's uh, easier to understand. It's going to clarify some things to you. Uh, and then we're going to go to the book of Genesis. But before she reads the scripture, I want to give you a definition And I had Josh, I'm going to have Josh put it on the screen so you'll be able to write it down. Because I'm going to say some things that you may have to think about for a minute. Uh, They may sound sound like, well, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I don't know about that. But I think we're going to prove it to you. I want you to write down the word susceptibility. The word susceptibility and and the definition, you can go ahead and write it down, it's the state or fact of being, I can't read that back there, I can read this one good. The state or fact of being likely to be influenced or harmed by a particular thing. I'm going to say it again, some of you are writing, typing it in your phone. Susceptibility is the state or fact of being likely to be influenced are harmed by a particular thing. Now, we're about to read a parable to where you're going to see three things, three particular things that makes the kingdom very susceptible. The kingdom of God is very susceptible in its seed form. And you got to understand that. And what I want you to understand about this, I believe this is really going to help some people that the Bible says, if you, Jesus said, if you don't understand this kingdom, you'll not understand any of the principles of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is very susceptible in its seed form. In other words, it is very likely to be influenced or harmed by certain environments. And this scripture gives us three of those things that makes the word. You know, there's nothing no more powerful, come on, than the word of God, right? Nothing no more powerful than the word of God. Uh, everything was created by the word of God. The universe has leaped into existence by the word of God. The Bible says he upholds, he upholds everything by the word of his power. It's powerful. The kingdom is powerful. But what you need to know is it is very susceptible to its environment. And that's why a lot of you go through cycles. It's because you don't realize, well, if God said it, it's got to happen. That ain't scripture. I'm going to prove it to you in a parable. Just because God said it don't mean it's coming to pass. Amen. What he said has to be embraced. It has to be believed. And it has to be cultivated. Amen. It's the way of the kingdom. And and, uh, uh, Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you'll not understand any of the concepts in the kingdom of God. So we're going to get Patty to read this out of the Amplified, and then we're going to go to the book of Genesis. Go ahead. 
That same day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting beside the sea. But such great crowds gathered about him that he got into a boat and remained sitting there while all the thrones stood on the shore. And he told them many things in parables, stories by way of illustration and comparison, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the roadside, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and at once they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they dried up and withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and yielded grain, some a hundred times as much as was sown, some sixty times as much, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him be listening, and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. 18 says, listen then to the meaning of the parable of the sower. While anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what First was thing, sown his heart. First thing that makes the kingdom susceptible and the word of God is the lack of understanding. This is what's sown along the roadside. As for what was sown on thin, rocky soil, this is he who hears the word and at once welcomes and accepts it with joy. Here's the second thing that makes the word of God susceptible to failure. Remember our, our definition? is shallowness, no depth in me. Go ahead. Yet it has no real root in him, but is temporary, inconsistent, last but a little while. And when affliction or trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, at once he is caused to stumble. Now, stop right there, babe. Uh, this is not in the sermon, uh, but you need to know this. My job today is to, to, to coach you along. I'm just yes. your life coach today. Yes. It says no real, real root is in him, but it's temporary, inconsistent, lasts but a little while. And when affliction or trouble or persecution comes on count of the word, you need to understand that. When God speaks into your life, it attracts the enemy. The picture here is like sowing seed. Ain't it amazing? Uh, when you start sowing seed, it attracts the birds. And they come to steal. So a lot of you may be going through some things and you just don't understand, man, I just got a word from God. <laughs> you know, I got stirred up by God. God gave me vision. He gave me direction. He gave me dream. And then all of a sudden, what in the world is going on in my life? Well, this scripture tells you what's going on in your life. You're not being attacked because you're unworthy. You're not being attacked. You're not under attack because you're not fit to do what God's called you to do. You're simply under attack because the devil wants to hinder what God's called you to do. Amen. Look at that scripture. It's right there. So you wonder why am I going through? Sometimes it's simply because God put a calling on your life. God dropped a word in your life. God gave you vision, direction, instruction. Go ahead. At once he is caused to stumble. He is repelled and begins to distrust and desert him who he ought to trust and obey and he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word but Here's your third one, right but, here, sown among thorns. But the cares of the world 
and the pleasure and delight and glamour and deceitfulness of riches choke and suffocate the word, and it yields no fruit. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears wow, the word look at this. and grasps and comprehends it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred times hundred as much times as sown, as much. in another sixty times as much, and another thirty. Wow. Give me uh, 22 again, Josh, before I get plumb away from this parable. Uh, I was looking for the one where it says, if it's sown among thorns, the thorns choke out the word. You see how susceptible the word of God can be? See how susceptible a promise can be in your life? Are you following me? See how susceptible a message can be preached in your life? Can I tell you right now, every sermon you preached is a seed sown into your life. So everything is given to you in seed form. The problem with a lot of believers is they eat the seed instead of cultivate it. Oh, it's a good word and you just eat it up and yang, 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 yang. You know, and you swallow it and digest it. I'm going to do great things. And then two weeks later, where are you at? You're starving to death again. Why? You ate a seed you were supposed to cultivate. You, you ate a seed that you were supposed to spend time with until it come up. There's one thing, of course, we don't understand this anymore because we think tomatoes grows at max. Uh, but there's one thing you did not do uh, in, in Bible times when they lived off their gardens. No matter how bad times got, you never ate your seed. Because the seed guaranteed a, a continual meal that you wouldn't starve to death. For years after my husband, uh, my husband, my wife's, <laughs> I'm sorry, my wife's dad died. He planted okra every year and he kept seed from that okra and he passed it down to me. So I was literally growing okra that my father-in-law started years ago. Or I could have took the okra he gave me and ate it and it would have ended my crop. I'm speaking revelation into somebody right now that you don't understand why you can't keep your, far, uh, your, your life fruitful. It's because you're getting a word, reading a scripture, eating the seed, and it's good for a minute. When God said, no, you got to cultivate that. The, the, the second point I want you to see before we go to the book of Genesis is, amen, as powerful as the word is, it is vulnerable to the cares of this life. It'll choke it out. It'll choke it out. Okay, go with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter number two. Verse number eight says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight good for food the tree of life also was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil look at verse number 15 and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to, somebody's helped me read it, to dress it and to keep it. 
to dress it and to keep it. Now, I'm going to try not to just, just wear you out today and, and belabor this. But I need you to understand that Romans chapter 1 verse 20 teaches us that God always gives us a natural principle to understand spiritual concepts. And, and, and I could just teach on that all day. It's just huge. God said, I'll show you things in the natural that are visible to help you understand the invisible realm of God. Well, the Garden of Eden is the visible creation of God. It is the visible kingdom of God in the book of Genesis. In other words, I can go back to the book of Genesis. Now I'm in an invisible spiritual kingdom. But I can draw principles from that visible kingdom that helps me understand how to navigate an invisible kingdom. And isn't it amazing, just for food for thought, I don't think I'll teach on it this morning, but isn't it amazing that in the beginning it all started in a garden and it ended in a garden. But isn't it amazing in the New Testament what was lost in the garden was recovered in a garden. Amen. The Bible says Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane and there's where he poured out his heart to God and said, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Now, this is the spiritual side of what happened in the natural, remember, because the Bible says, and it, sounds, it seems ironic, but the Bible says, in the place, John said, in the place that Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden was a, a grave. So we got Jesus being crucified. He's being crucified in a garden. And in that garden is a grave for Jesus to be planted in. So in the Garden of Eden, we have the tree of life planted. And in the New Testament Garden of God, we have the tree of life being planted. And what's amazing, Shelly, so good to see your face. It was... It wasn't just any grave, it was a new grave. No man had ever been laid in this grave, amen. You want to know why? Because new wine can't be put in an old wine skin, amen. And Jesus would not be uh, identified with something dead and stinky because he, the, it wasn't really a grave for Jesus. It was a portal for him to enter through to take the keys of the devil back. Is anybody in the same my sermon, but it's good stuff. Let's say elders, we're gonna work this over someday. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's what it was. So in 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 Genesis, we got the Garden of Eden, which is a natural kingdom created by God, planted by God. Amen. And look, uh, it says he created the garden, he planted the garden, and put everything in the garden that Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve would need for eternal life. That garden was designed to per perpetuate life for eternity. Can I help somebody right now? With everything that's going on right now, Bill Spangler, Spangler with everything that's going on, with all the kids that's being abducted, and molested and all the hate and, 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 and this great big uproar between races and, and, and everything, people are, are asking the question, where is God? Why, why, why is God allowing this? Amen. Well, I can go back to the book of Genesis and I can show you and prove to you what God's will was. We can look at the Garden of Eden and know, matter of fact, y'all write down some stuff today. We're going to work this. 
It said he planted a garden. A garden by definition is a piece of ground that is appropriated to cultivate fruit, flowers, trees. Uh, uh, In other words, that's what this domain is designed for, is to be fruitful. It's designed to produce life. As about this, this is God's intention. God never intended for babies to be aborted. He never intended for marriages to be destroyed. He never intended for, for, for children to be abducted and molested. He never intended for people to kill, steal, and to destroy. This was the intended kingdom of the Most High God right here in the book of Genesis. It said he, he planted a garden, and look where he planted it. He planted in Eden. Eden means delightful. Write it down. Eden means fruitful. It means productive. It actually means to live a life of pleasure. The the original kingdom was designed. It was a geographical domain, which now is the kingdom of God. But it's a geographical domain that was appropriated by God, fenced in. You're going to find it says that if you're one of those guys who breaks the word down. It's a fenced in domain with boundaries. Somebody shout boundaries. With boundaries, amen. I need somebody to bring me a cup up here or a glass or anything you can find just for a prop. Uh, he, he created, we got it right here. Uh, he, he, he created this thing called a garden, which was a place appropriated for productivity for you to be successful. And he planted in Eden, which means it's my design for you to live a life of pleasure. That's the design of God. I want you to live in the fullness of everything I created for you. And what's amazing is, <laughs> he said, y'all got to overlook me today. I feel very emotional. Amen. What's amazing is, he said, I designed it for you to live the fullest life you could ever imagine. And I so created this domain called the Garden of Eden that I put a tree of life in it so you don't never have to worry about dying. You're going to live forever and ever and ever. This was the design of God. Amen. (laughs) But God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to partner with men. I'm going to partner with my creation. And when he did, he knew that he was putting himself in a position of vulnerability. He knew when I attach myself to humans, I become very susceptible. Because I'm a God who cannot fail. I'm a God who cannot produce evil. I'm a God who has designed your life to be a life in the Garden of Eden. All the fruit you'll ever need, the tree of life to eat from every day, never to grow old. This was the original design, amen. Never to grow old, never to be sick, never to be weary. But in the creation, he said, I'm going to create man in my own image and likeness, and I'm going to give him dominion over this domain. And when he did... He made himself susceptible. And now God is susceptible to every lie the devil's telling you about him. He's vulnerable to the attacks that the devil wants you to attack God. When in reality, your Bible teaches you in the book of Romans, he said the only way death, sin, sickness got into this world was by man, not by God. 
In other words, God said, I didn't create it. I didn't desire it. I didn't design it. But because I entrusted man, amen, to run what I created, it was through the door of man's disobedience that we're suffering what we're suffering right now. Now, that ain't my sermon, but I just need somebody to get a hold of that. We're blaming God for things he never intended. And you say, well, why don't God, why don't God just intervene? Because he's got the power. Why don't he just show up, knock some people out, knock some people off? Come on now. Why, why, why don't he stop this from happening, make that happen? Because if he did, he would be an unjust God. See, we're accusing him for being unjust, but it's because he's so just that things are going on. Oh, can anybody catch this revelation? Because God said, I can't. Amen. I created the earth and put man in dominion. And the only way I can intervene now is by the permission of man. Can anybody receive that? The only way I can intervene is for somebody to stand in the gap and allow me to flow through them to bring change to the situation. So I, double, I need you to look at your neighbor and tell him right now, it's not God's fault. Amen. It's not God's fault. It's man's fault. You think you hurt when somebody sick? You think it breaks your heart to see your 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 your, your loved one? We've been there, die with cancer. You you, you 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 want to stand back and accuse God of being unjust? You think you hurt? You don't know hurt, yeah? Because what makes you hurt is love, and you have love. Well, God is love. God is how you think He hurts, and He's saying, "Come on, man." I give you power. I give you dominion. Rise up and be who I called you to be and create an avenue for me to come into this situation. Oh, but God, he's awesome. God, he's awesome because they may slip through our fingers on the deathbed, but God catches them. (laughs) He said, that's okay. I got them. I got to go. I got to go. He, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and he put the man there. Verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to help me crowd. For you that's watching online, shout it out in your home to dress it and to keep it. Now, there's some mysteries to be revealed here, Branson, that we got to get a hold of to understand. Because Jesus said, if you don't understand this one parable of the kingdom, you're not going to understand anything. See, because we don't understand the, the, the kingdom and we don't know how to cultivate it, then we got bad crops. We're doing without all the fruitfulness that God intended us to, to have in our lives. And we're blaming God for the fail, crop failure. When all He does is sow. Did I preach out your Bible? Am I preaching out your Bible? Is that the parable? All he does is sow. Let me show you. He said, I'm going to create this suitable. <laughs> and then he said, I'm going to take the man I chose to co-labor with. The man I chose to partner with. Because you know what gives you dignity is your contribution. I'm going to say that again, that God is a working God. I met God working. 
If you read your Bible, you met God working. For six days he worked. Why? You've never, you're never no more like God than when you're working. Why? It's the character of God. It's the nature of God. And a man with no work is a man with no indig- uh, integrity. There's no dignity. It's the contribution. Come on, somebody. It's what we need to feel. We need to feel like we're contributing. Why? It's a God part of us. Just like holiness and righteousness. Amen. It's a part of us. So the greatest honor God ever gave us, the greatest dignity. He <coughs> We was no more dignitized, if that's a word. Is that a word? She said, I don't know. We've never been no more dignitized than when God allowed us to be contributors with him in his kingdom. I could go left there and teach some stuff. He put him in the garden to dress it. And to keep it. Now, now this is finna stretchy, but stay with me. I mean, it's just straight out of your Bible. What you gotta understand the difference between the English language and Hebrew language is English language is written in abstract, Hebrew language is written in concrete. What's that mean? Well, in other words, uh, if uh, I was gonna describe something, I would say it in abstract. Boy, that thing is big. Well, that's very abstract because I have no point of reference. But in the Bible, God, uh, the writers would call God a mountain. The mountain of the Lord. That's concrete. Now I can take verbiage and put it with a visual and it means more to me. That's, that's the way the Hebrew language was written. Uh, another little lesson. The word believe. We so little belittle the word believe. If you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Amen. Well, to us, that's very abstract. Oh, I believe in God. <laughs> you believe in God. They believe in God. Everybody believes in God. I must be saved. But in the Hebrew or in the Greek in the New Testament, to believe means to adhere to, to cling to, and to reciprocate. Uh, you see the difference? Now, are you really a believer? Are you one who clings to, what I say? Huh? Adheres to and reciprocates. You're not a believer if you're not producing the nature of the seed that was planted into your life. He said, y'all write this stuff down. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wade through this. He put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. The word dress, I'm not going to attempt to speak Hebrew, but number one, it means to work. I put you in the garden, Adam, to work. What's crazy to me, Kobe, is that God created a domain, a garden that was predetermined by God to be fruitful and sustain Adam and Eve for an eternity. They were eternal beings. We're now, Kamal preached in one of his last sermons, we're now eternal beings again because we've been brought into an eternal kingdom. But in the natural, they would have lived forever if sin hadn't come in. Isn't it amazing that God creates such a utopia, such a garden, such a place that was appropriated to be fruitful and productive, put them in the midst of it, but, but then needed or required a human 
to protect, preserve, and perpetuate it. Oh, that's, that's mind-blowing that God would give you that privilege. Isn't it? Isn't it, Brenton, that God would create something, His kingdom, and then take His kingdom and put it in the hands of a man to dress it, to work it, to per- perpetuate it, to make sure that it sustained itself. Oh, my God. Listen, I'm not through now. Let me give you some words that I really, you know, had to bounce off a, a, a Kentuckian buddy of mine. But, but they're there and they're real. The word dress means to enslave. Yeah, this is the part we're going we're gonna to choke on. Write it down. It means to enslave. It's straight out of your Hebrew. There ain't no way around it. Amen. It means to enslave. It means to, to, to keep in bondage. It means to keep in bondage. It actually means to compel. In other words, the word dress means I'm going to set some boundaries that compels you to be fruitful. Yeah, think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set some boundaries. Hey, and here's the word. The Hebrew words, are, are, they, they carry so much weight. Write this down. you got to write this down. What's connected to that is the word worship. That same word that means dress, which means to work, it means to toil, it, 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 it means to enslave, bring into bondage, to compel it to be fruitful. It's the same word. It also is tied to the word worship. We ha- I had a hard time with this because God is not the God of bondage. God is not the God of slaves. <laughs> Amen. He, he's, it, the other word is bondman. Amen. That we can't wrap our mind around being a bondman. But if we understood how a garden worked, it would change everything. Amen. For instance, here, I got a cup. But really, this cup is designed to enslave this water. Are you catching it yet? It's designed to be a bondman of this water. It's designed, what was some more of them definitions? If you're taking notes, shout them out. It's designed to keep this water in bondage. Amen. Because this water is good. This water is life-giving. Amen. But if it has no form of restraint, if it has no boundaries, then what is good gets lost. So God said, amen. But when I have an element of restraint, the water may be saying, why you got all these rules? The water may be saying... The water may be saying, you're you're, you're holding me up. I can't go where I want to go and do what I want to do. Amen. But God said, no, you don't understand. Amen. I've created boundaries to make you productive. And now I can say, can I serve you, ma'am? Take a drink. Your granddaughter, can I serve you, ma'am? Are you listening to me? And now because of boundaries in my life, let me have my water back. And now because of drink. I'll do it. 
Now because of my, I've done it before. Are you listening to me? Now it understands. Amen. That's why in a garden, a garden cannot be left to itself. Somebody has to be there as a bondman to bring restraint in a plant's life. Is anybody listening to me? Man, I just planted a garden last year. Amen. And a few years ago, me and Larry, all of us, we got together and planted a garden. Amen. This this year, we planted tomatoes on the back. Amen. And what I found out, I couldn't just let that thing, it was created by God, it was a gift of God, but I couldn't just let it grow, I had to dress it. So I was out there putting sticks in it, and I was tying strings, I bet that tomato plant said, what are you doing? Lacey's face is with me. Hey, listen to me. What are you doing? You're restraining me. No, I'm tying you up so that your fruit doesn't double don't fall to the ground. This is holding you up. Can I tell you if it's bondage, it's bondage that sets me free. It's bondage that makes me fruitful. It's bondage in my life, amen. He said, so Adam, this is the creation of God. That's what blows my mind. Isn't it amazing that even holy things have the tendency to metamorphosize? Even holy things, follow me have the tendency to metamorphosize. Is that a word? You're a college student. Is it or ain't it? Yeah, he don't know. I can tell, but he said, yeah, it's a word. Well, it's our word now, Griffin. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody. I said, even holy things have a tendency to metamorphosize if there's not a husbandman that's there to clip off what ain't supposed to be growing, to hold it in line in the boundaries of God's word. My God, my God, I need a pointer. Anybody got a stick? What's that drumstick? Throw me that drumstick. I meant to do that. Hey, Amen. This is going to go good down here around our neck of the woods. Now, if you're watching by line, you ain't got a clue. <laughs> but this is a tomato plant. Hey, Amen. That's a tomato plant. I'm going to ask a question now. Does anybody know what that is? What? That is a sucker. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus is absolute truth. And it does not change. Can I get a witness? But there is a place of vulnerability where I am connected to the vine. And sometimes... Amen. When I get slack, truth will begin to metamorphosize because it's coming out of a little bit of me and a little bit of Jesus. Is anybody in this place? Amen. Everything coming out of Jesus is righteous and holy and fruitful. But in that connection, somebody says about the connection, in that connection, sometimes truth will metamorphosize because it'll have a little of me and it'll have a little of Jesus and it's called a sucker. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be a sucker. You know about sucker. Don't be a sucker. Don't be a sucker. Amen. Because this thing, it looks like a tomato plant. It acts like a tomato plant. But it's pulling from the vine. It's pulling from the real truth. And it's producing lesser. 
<laughs> so you see how susceptible truth is? You see how vulnerable revelation can be? When we, we quit pulling completely from the vine and start putting our own ideas, can I submit to you that grace has metamorphosized to some kind of fruit that says you can be right with God and live like hell? It's a metamorphosis. Amen. Are you listening to me? The love of God has metamorphosized into condoning everybody to live like hell. Why? Because God is love. It's metamorphosized because, see, there's a little bit of truth in that, and there's a whole lot of, of you <laughs> in that because he is love, but he loves you to know. I wish I could crawl in that screen. Amen. I'd grab that little sucker. Jesus, I'd grab that sucker. Somebody help me get that sucker out. Get that sucker out of your life. Somebody had done double sucker. Get that sucker out of your life. Get that sucker out of your life. Amen. It's a little of you and a little of Jesus. Is anybody in here? Amen. And it's sucking life out of your fruitfulness. Isn't it crazy, Bliss, that God, the creation of God, Brother Ryder, the, the creation of God had to be dressed. It's crazy. It, it had to be worked. I have to work to keep it in slate. I really want to teach, you are the garden. That's, it's, it's there, I just ain't got time. You are the garden. But a garden left itself. Sister Randy, you're a botanist, right? Pull one on her. I pull one on her, she don't even know what that is. You do, don't you? She, she loves plants. Amen. Hey, have you ever noticed what them plants do? You leave to itself. The Bible said a child left to himself will bring shame to his mom and daddy. Amen. You're trying to get me to counsel something you should have enslaved. <laughs> uh, you want me to counsel something you should have been in a cup with some healthy boundaries. Uh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. Well, I come to tell you the kingdom of heaven is no different. Here Adam is. My brother read. Here Adam is. Made out of dirt. And God knelt and blew the breath of life in him and he stood up. And God took him and placed him in an environment that was appropriate for fruitfulness. It's all there, Adam. So this answers another question. You can get the answer to all your questions in the book of Genesis. Matter of fact, if you can't tie Genesis to the common thread of the entire Bible, it's not true doctrine. All goes back to Genesis. This great big battle is salvation by works or is it by the grace of God? Well, your Bible says, yes. But Jesus said, if you don't understand this one parable, You'll not understand any of the kingdom. 
Amen. Because salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by faith in God. It is by the grace of God. And Philippians plainly, unapologetically preached. Amen. Work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. So now I see a picture of salvation in the book of Genesis. Adam didn't have nothing to do with nothing. He was dirt. And all of a sudden he felt God was playing in the dirt, pushing him together, making little toes. Huh? This is what it looked like when you were born again. Huh? Adam didn't have the power, the will, the mind, the intellect, the life to do anything. God, by his grace, was putting him all together. And then God blew the breath of life and boom, here comes Adam. I don't see no work in that. I see the grace of God manifested all over that. And he said, I'm going to drink some of my confined water. I'm so glad I had a container. Oh, my God. <laughs> Amen. If you want to be a vessel of honor, you meet and prepare for the master's use. You got to cleanse yourself from the lack of boundaries. Now, because this water's been enslaved, I'm being refreshed. Oh, my God. Somebody help me. The next time somebody tells you, I don't want Christianity, there's too many rules, you'll say, <laughs> Sit down a minute. Let me talk to you. Amen. Because it was the boundaries of God. No wonder Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Amen. And learn from me. A yoke is a, an instrument of bondage, if you will. Amen. It's an instrument that holds me in line. But the good news is, the yoke of Jesus' truth is what sets me free. I was headed somewhere. And I got distracted. Let me just drink while I think. Where was that? Work. Oh, let's go here. Oh, yeah, he blew the breath of life in him. He stood up and, and God placed him in a garden that had been fenced off, meaning it was guarded and appropriated for success and productivity, already planted by God. All the gifts, all the talents, all the fruit, everything was there. It was not of works lest any man should boast. It comes with the kingdom. Tell your neighbor, I'm just gifted because it comes with the kingdom. I'm just fruitful because it comes with the kingdom. But then, lo and behold, God said, now dress what I gave you. Work what I gave you. Cultivate what I gave you not working for salvation. I'm now working because of salvation. But, but the work is simply so I can live a more fruitful life. So that I can put boundaries on some of these fruits in my life. Amen. Are you listening to me? But, but here's the deal. And I thought, worship, worship, worship. How do, how do you fit worship on dress? How do you fit worship on to bring into bondage, to be a husbandman, to be a gardener? And it dawned on me. God said, I laid it all out there for you. I created it all. You had nothing to do with it. I placed you in it. Now it is a form of worship on your part to cultivate what I gave you. It's a form of worship. I said, how so, Lord? Because worship comes from the word worth." Ship. 
which means value. He said, I created it all, but I'm going to let you partner with me. And the time and sweat equity you put into it is your form of worship. And you're raising, in other words, the only real way to measure value is by the time you're willing to put into it. The effort you're willing to put in it. And to lack to do so is to not worship God for this great gift you receive. Some of you don't understand why you keep dying on the vine. It's because you don't know how to worship. You thought worship was standing in a congregation singing a song but worship is putting in enough value on the word that was preached that I take that word I cultivate that word I live that word is anybody listening to me I'm not eating that seed I got out of the Bible oh I read my Bible today no you ate some seed but God said I see your value he said no real value is shown through your work ethic I probably got some of the youngest elders on the planet. Outside Benny Douglas, I mean, he's ancient. He's petrified. Until he ain't here today, so maybe he ain't watching. I got some of the youngest elders on the planet, I bet you. Huh? But I always get compliments of the depth of my elders, of the depth of their preaching, of the depth of their revelation. Amen. And you can sit back and be jealous of them, or be glad for it. I don't know what you are. Amen. But let me tell you why. It's because they don't eat their seed. They cultivate the seed. Huh? They don't read the Bible. They take the Bible and they chew on it and chew on it and cultivate it. And they're snipping off little things. Sometimes I have to, I have to pull the suckers off Josh and sometimes he has to pull them off me. Did y'all catch that? No, 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 no. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, you're getting a real ambitious with that truth. And I see a metamorphosis coming on. Oh, somebody help me. And it's trying to take on a whole different thing. So that's why there's safety in the multitude of counsel. We can pinch some things off. You ever had something pinched off me? God, that's, I just got to stop right here. Jennifer laughs when she's nervous. She's laughing right now. Huh? <laughs> Becca, you feel like Jennifer's pinched you lately? Maggie, how about you? She pinched you lately? Where's Lacey? Lacey's hiding. Huh? You been pinched lately? Huh? That's why it's so important to have a husbandman in our life. That's, that's John chapter number 15, which is God is the gardener, right? Amen. That's why I need to be around you so you can pinch off bad attitudes and you can pinch off doctrine that is contrary to the world. Is anybody getting all this teaching? Amen. That's why you, you're not an island and you can't create some doctrine and go start your own church. Amen. Because you'll have a church full of suckers. <laughs> That worked. Oh my God, that worked. Are you listening to me? That's why you got to be in a healthy garden. Stay in the boundaries of correction in your life. Amen. We got people right here that's mad because I brought correction in their life. All I was trying to do was pinch off something that robbed you of the fullness of your potential. But that tomato plant's got more sense than you got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just blah. That tomato plant said, oh, thank you, Father, because you obviously know, Ben, you created me, amen, that I can't be everything that I was intended to be. I'm not even saying you can't, you can't grow in God's garden without a sucker on you. I'm just telling you, you can't go through the fullness of everything God created you to be as long as these little suckers are in your life. 
So what do we do? I'll leave that church and go find the church, that first sucker church <laughs> of the four square. I can't think of no more names. It's a garden is a fenced area, so things can't get out and things can't get out and things can't get in. <coughs> you ought to be grateful you have a gardener who loves you enough to pinch you. Because I'm sure that little tomato plant's saying, ouch, when I'm, I wish I could get my hands on that sucker. I can't even reach. When you're grabbing a sucker, you pull it. That tomato plant's saying, ouch, ooh, ugh, ugh, what are you doing to me? Amen. And all the time that gardener's saying, I'm getting that sucker out of your life. Amen. Why? Not because I'm mad at you. Amen. They don't love me down there. They don't love at that church. They don't love it, that church. Amen. They just won't let me live like I want to live, drink like I want to drink, smoke what I want to smoke. I didn't just go there, right? <laughs> have immoral relationships and do what I want to do. And, amen. Have sex when I want to have sex. Is anybody in this place? It don't matter if we ain't married. We'll just do what we want to do. Amen. Are you listening to me? Uh, that church don't love down there when you, amen. They just judging all the time when really that Tweaking is the love of God manifest. Get that, that, that boy. I'm going to get that thing out of your life. I'm going to get it out of you. I created you and I know what you can be. You don't know. And then when it's all said and done, I want to submit this right now to somebody right now. Amen. You'll always know when there's suckers in your life because it's a sucking thing out of your life like personal devotion with God, joy of the Lord. It'll start sucking peace out of your life. Who am I preaching to this morning? You'll know when there's suckers in your life. <laughs> That's an honest dude right there. Amen. He's a brave one. It's because you got suckers that you won't let nobody deal with. Look, I put you in the garden to... Adam, and this is your job. By grace, gave it all to you. But I put you in it to dress it and to keep it. The word keep means guard, protect. Here's something for you. It, excuse me. It means beware. <laughs> Y'all like that? Beware. It means to, listen to this definition. It means to look narrowly. So God says, there's thorns that wants to choke your fruit out. Are you listening to me? There's thorns that wants to choke it out. There's shallowness that wants to scorch it out. There's the lack of understanding that's going to get it stolen. But because of your failure to worship, hold on to that thought. Okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. What you got to be careful of, what's your name, dude? Dylan, Dylan you told me that. Dylan, what you got to be careful of is when you've lived in the pleasure of the kingdom, so long that everything starts becoming commonplace. A sermon preached, another sermon preached. A Bible study done, 
the Bible study. As long as Adam and Eve was in worship mode, they were dressing and keeping. But when, when, when everything become commonplace to them, they, they lowered the value of what God said and bought into what the enemy was saying. Sometimes we got to have revival just to renew my worship to God. I'm not talking about some song service. My worship to God to where I have put scripture in the right, I put the right value on the word of God. I put the right value on the prophecy given me. The right value on the word of knowledge. Are you listening to me? And when I put the right value on it, you'll tell by how I'm working it and I'm dressing it and I'm cultivating it. But they, it lost its value. So they lost their place. Cycles. Cycles. Where was I going while I go now? <laughs> worship. Failure to worship. So failure to worship knocked them out of a productive place into an unproductive place. Can anybody don't say nothing? You ever feel like you fall in these places? It lost its value. And it was not God's design to perpetuate value. It was God's design to sow the seed. It was your design and privilege and opportunity to worship Him by appreciating all the time and not depreciating. Is anybody listening to me? Let me tell you where this message comes from. Well, let me tie these two together and then I'll tell you where it comes from. Well, every bit of that that I just taught you is a visible Old Testament principle that you can see on the screen to help you understand this new kingdom you were born into. You had nothing to do with it. It was not of works lest any man should boast. God put you together. It just kills me when people tell me when they found God. Wait a minute. That don't ring true to the Genesis principle. Was God lost in the garden? Or was Adam lost in the garden? I think it was God looking for Adam. I didn't find God. I wasn't looking for God. You didn't find God. You wasn't looking for God. No, God come looking for you. Climbed up on a bar stool in my case. What did he climb up on to get you? Huh? I'll tell you what he did to me. He kicked my feet out from under me. That's how bad he wanted me. I told somebody the other day, people try to make me feel bad because I run to God because I got in trouble. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's almost like, we were talking the other day, I said, it's almost like you going to the doctor and people said, ah, the only reason you're going to the doctor is because you're sick. <laughs> See how funny that is? So, so when the devil tells you you just ran to God because you was in trouble, you ought to bust out laughing. <laughs> because Jesus said, it's the sick who needs a physician. And buddy, I was sick. I was losing a beautiful woman, one child. I was losing everything. He kicked my props out from under me. Don't tell me I found God. He found me. Oh, I'm sidetracked. I'm getting long-winded. So salvation is not of works lest any man should boast. He saved you. He drew you. Amen. Do you know you would never even have an inclination to know God if he didn't give it to you? You would have never even had a desire if he didn't give it to you? Huh? Why? Because the flesh has no desire for God. It runs the other way. It has to be divine intervention for him to even put a thought in your mind of a holy God. 
And then he brought you into the kingdom. Salvation, he blew the breath of life into you. Are you following me? Garden of Eden put you in the garden, a place that is appropriate for the cultivation of all the fruits and the gifts that are in you. And then said, okay, now dress it and keep it. Oh, yeah. The last thing I gave you. To keep means to protect, to preserve, and to look narrowly. In other words, when it comes to something as valuable as your salvation, as valuable as the gifts and the fruits you ought to be producing in your life, God said you got to be on guard all the time with a watch out because something's trying to steal the fruit of joy. Oh, somebody help me right now. I can't get no more real than this. There's always some kind of raven or a crow. Amen. You know, back in the day, they put a scarecrow out there. What was they doing? They was dressing and they was keeping them gardens. Amen. They were watching for the enemy. You can't be gifted as you are and rich as you are in mercy. and You're so wealthy that you attract the thieves. And if you don't realize that, amen, you're not watching, you're not looking, you're not protecting, you're not guarding, amen. I don't know why God don't let me have joy. Are you kidding me? He planted joy in you. You had to cultivate it, and now you got to protect what you cultivated. I got it. So this message, even... Even holy things planted by God have the tendency to metamorphosize. Without proper horticulture. I don't know if y'all joined with me the other night, but I started teaching on culture. I'm going to do it some more. There's nothing no more greater, Kobe shows than salvation. I remember when you come down here, you was a heathen, a stinking heathen. That boy would rather drink than, huh? Couldn't do nothing with him. Rebel. Didn't get a witness? He didn't come down here looking for God, did you? He had no idea there was a trap. He come down here to ride in the uh, Marengo, mud ride, four-wheeler and all. He was ready. Put his little cooler on the back of it. Cooler's light. If you're gonna draw a picture, you got you gotta draw it right. But he had to come to church that Sunday morning because he's here and we're family. Just so happened that morning I preached on hell. <laughs> and God drug him by the hair. No, he didn't drag him by the hair of his head. Let me let me rephrase that. Hey, this, hey, 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 I can talk like that. <laughs> he drug him to an altar. He took Colby Schultz out of a barren wilderness that wasn't producing anything but death and destruction. And he set him in a piece of ground that was appropriate to cultivate every gift that was in Colby. Amen. Colby had nothing to do with it. But when Colby walked out that door, God said, now dress it and keep it. And ever since, he's been pulling off suckers. Ever since, he's been bringing things into check. He's been creating a container 
to contain this thing. And now look at all his little sheep. <laughs> uh, look at all of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. My God, he's got eight kids here. He's got them all over the uh, Columbia Gardens. He's got kids all over. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. That love him and honor him and respect him. Why? Because he cultivated what God gave him. Is it of works? Absolutely not. It's an honor. It was worship. All the while, Kobe, you was worshiping and didn't he realize it. You was just worshiping. <laughs> because the value you placed on what God did in your life. Kobe's Kobe's Kobe. What do you say? I'm going to just say this. Kobe didn't get saved because he loved God. God scared the hell out of him. I'm just telling y'all what happened. But because God did it and loved you enough and put you in the kingdom, you turned around and embraced the love of God and began to cultivate the love of God through worship. Is anybody getting this teaching this morning? I got to tell y'all where this comes from. So everything that God did in you, everything he's done in you will metamorphosize without proper boundaries. That's why you can't just float around anywhere and do what you want to do, say what you want to say. You got to be connected to some farmers. Who <laughs> said, Whoop, I can tell by the way you're talking, that's a sucker talking. <laughs> Ain't it? Oh my God, that's the attitude of a sucker, not a tomato. Come here, let me get a hold of you. Come here, come here right now, let me get a hold of you. Come here. See, sometimes you got to get them like this. You all right? <laughs> you got to get them like this, and you got to get that sucker. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. So, ain't he a gentleman? <laughs> He'll just get you. <laughs> He'll just get you like this. Are you listening to me? That's why you need me, son. That's why you boys need Colby. Believe it or not, that's why Colby needs you, because you're pulling suckers off of him of uh, lack of patience. And <laughs> Listen, I got to quit. Can I tell you, Ever holy feeling. I was going to try to read the statement that started this message. Every aspect of the kingdom. I'm going to name a few. Salvation, dreams, visions, gifts, fruit, prophetic words, religious sentiments and desires are given by the grace of God. Catch this statement. But the perpetuation of everyone named is not by the grace of God. It's by your cultivation through the strength of God. That's a big statement. I understand we can't do nothing without the grace of God. I just need you to understand. No, God starts the fire, but you have to keep it going. That's kingdom. I planted the garden. I created the garden, but I put you in the garden. And all you got to do is love me enough and honor what I've given you enough to dress it and to keep it. You ever notice, anybody got a safe in their house? It might work then. I thought it wasn't going to work with this crowd. <laughs> the things of the most valuable are in those safes, right? There's probably some things that don't, don't have to go on a safe. <laughs> Why? Because they're just not quite as valuable. 
But you can tell how valuable a thing is by the trouble you go through to make sure it's protected. All the time we standing in church with our hands up there saying, I love you, God's looking at all week saying, your garden's a mess. You're trying to tell me you love me and you're, you're so thankful for what I gave you and you just left it laying and a bird just swooped right through, a thought swooped right through and stole your peace. Because Abraham, <laughs> Abraham, God was, he's about to enter into covenant with Abraham. And God said, okay, here's your job. Cut the sacrifice, lay it on both sides. Amen. And God said, I'm going to walk right through the middle of your sacrifice. Amen. If you want to make room for Jesus, you're going to have to learn to cut some things, uh, let them bleed to death, and lay them one side to the other. Is anybody listening to me? God can't visit a lot of us because we ain't got time to lay out a sacrifice. It's not about religious obligation. It's about worship. He said, Abraham, we're going to enter into covenant. Our father of faith. I'm so glad Abraham was the man he was. Kobe, you keep going back to that tithe thing. I'm so glad Abraham was the man he was because, amen, he laid out the sacrifice and he was waiting on God. Amen. He is waiting on God. Amen. Can I tell you the most vulnerable time you're ever going to find is when you've prayed the prayer, you've got the promise, and you're sitting there waiting on God. What happened when he was waiting on God? Here come buzzards. And they were trying to steal what God had started in Abraham's life. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody right now. Amen. Every time God starts something in your life, if you ain't careful, you will, you will, you, 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 you'll lose the covenant before God gets there. So what did Abraham do? He picked up a stick the Bible says and he went to fighting off the birds you ain't getting my sacrifice I'm going to cultivate what God gave me so every aspect of the kingdom was the grace of God manifested in your life but your requirement is to make sure that seed makes it Matthew my text Birds are going to come try to steal it. Any words you've ever heard me preached or any scripture you ever read in the Bible. You know, I've heard people say, just read the Bible. It doesn't matter if you don't understand it, just read it. Well, according to this scripture, if you read and don't understand, it'll get stolen. So you would be better off, young men, get one scripture and dress it and keep it. Dress it and keep it. Cultivate it. Cultivate it. Cultivate it until you understand it. Why? Because you can take one scripture and slay a thousand devils. Amen. <laughs> so a lot of you have had visitations from God. This is where the message come from. I was in here praying and God started visiting Life Church. I don't know. Y'all can understand what I mean by that. It just is what it is. He started visiting Life Church during their praise team practice on Sunday morning. It just show up and take over. Y'all notice this morning, we're just kind of in a vulnerable place right now. We don't know what to do. Do we quit worshiping and start church or just worship? That's where we at right now. I don't know. We'll get it perfected. We're just going to follow the Holy Spirit. Right now, it don't even matter no more, does it? As long as God has his way. So I was over here praying about that, and God said, uh, uh, Dean Love, I need to remind you that every visitation 
It's simply my grace manifested. But if you want a continual habitation, you'll have to steward it. You'll have to cultivate it. Many of you have gotten words from God. You've gotten promises from God. And you left here excited about it. And you walked out that door and ate your seed. You didn't bow down before the word and worship the God of the word. You didn't bring it up over and over and over and over. You didn't do like Paul told Timothy, take that word now like a sword in your hand and fight off every bird that's robbing you of your destiny. Some of you got books you never wrote, poems you never wrote, songs you never sang, ministries you never started, feelings and sentiments of the love of God. Think back of when, man, I was so passionate for God and then for some reason, I don't even know if God exists. And then God gets to blame and God said, no, don't you remember? I planted that seed. I planted that seed. But you didn't seek to understand it. God started giving Courtney, y'all okay? God started giving Courtney and Josh some dreams. And I was so adamant about them, wasn't I? Write them down. I got to have them. And I took them into my prayer closet and I prayed over them and prayed over them and prayed over them until that thing produced the seed. Did y'all know? <laughs> Amen. Really, y'all thought y'all come here to get fed? You didn't come here to get fed. You, you come here to get seeded. So I'm giving you this, all this seed right now. What are you going to do with it when you walk out that door? Are you going to sow it? Or are you going to plant it? Look at look my Bible bag. There's a little red notebook. See this? This little red notebook. I, I, I got to go to a leadership conference the other day in Phoenix, Arizona because of some special gifts from people out of this church. And this was in my notebook. And all the while them preachers was preaching. They was sowing. They was sowing. And I was right. See how it's highlighted now? They were sowing and I was writing because I understand they weren't feeding me, they were seeding me. And since then, I've got revelation from these things. I've taught them online. I've shared them with other people. I grew so much that I was giving it to y'all. Is anybody listening to me? When Will said in here, amen, uh, you think you're going to remember everything I said today? Uh, some of you would not go to the grocery store without writing down some things so you wouldn't forget nothing, but come to this grocery store and I pour out all these groceries. And... Isn't it funny? If you don't understand this principle, he said this is the parable of parables. You don't understand anything. How much sweat equity do you put into a sermon preached? How much dressing do you do to a scripture God gave you this morning? How much cultivating? This is between you and God. But now I've taken away from you Every excuse, I pinched it off of you today. Huh? You, are, you, you are a man or a woman with no excuse because you've been placed into a garden that was designed to appropriate the cultivation of all the gifts and the fruits. Stand with me all over this building. Now listen, I got a very special altar call. Uh, Bliss, you can turn that Facebook off if you want. Or let it go, I don't care. Whatever you want to do, Kobe. Leave it on. 
Are we still on? For you that's listening, you may want this altar call. When a spiritual... What do you do when your tomato plant dies? You pull it up, you plant another one. It's kingdom principle. If you want tomatoes, you got to pull that thing up. It's taking up ground. That's John chapter number 15. You get it out of the way, and you plant another one. I need you right now to stop, now that you have understanding, and think back of feelings God gave you before. Sentiments, religious sentiments, and I'm using that in a positive, not a negative. Religious sentiment that he placed in you before. Desires to do a thing. Desires to sing a song. Desires to worship. Peace, joy, all the fruit, all the gifts. Come on, I need you to think. based As opposed to where you may be feeling right now. Of, oh my God, I remember standing with such a melted heart that tears were streaming down my face and now I'm cold and my heart is hard. What happened to it? Where's it at? I once had a conviction to draw nearer to God. Where'd it go? What happened to it? Well, I just taught you what happened to it. It's very susceptible to its environment. And either you didn't seek to understand it, so the devil stole it, or it got planted in your busy life, and you're so wrapped up with your business, your job, your family, your whatever, that it choked it. It just choked it to death. You was ready to change the world. But the cares of this life, Choked it out. That's how susceptible the seed is. Vulnerable. It choked it out. So you just sit back in your seat, ride everybody else's, eat their fruit. Or or maybe it's because you spend no time getting deeper. And he said it was planted on shallow ground. And it just sprung up. That's when you get really excited over a good word. Because it's so shallow, when it starts getting tough, you burn up. He said because there were stones in there. Maybe you hadn't taken it around to take out the stones of uh, compromise. Maybe you got some hard places of unforgiveness. Maybe you got some hard places of the lack of devotion that's in there. You should be producing. Amen. I love it. Come on. It said this seed has the potential to put produce 30 times more than that one scripture. It has the potential to produce a hundred times more. Why would you want to live on 30 times more when you can live on a hundred times more? It just depends on your dressing and keeping. So I said, all I'd say this. You can't recreate them emotions. You can't recreate them feelings. You can't say, I'm going to love God. I'm going to want God. I'm going to desire God. Dean, you're going to desire God. I'm going to make you desire God. I'm going to make you desire God. No, no. God does the planting, remember. And only He can replant that desire in you. He can replant that passion in you. He can replant that zeal in you. I'm talking to some people right now.
that's tired and weary. I think it's Isaiah 51 and 3. God said, I'm going to turn the wilderness into Eden again. He said, I'm going to turn your wilderness into Eden. He said, I'm going to turn the desert into my garden. I just, I need you to just stand there for a few minutes and listen to me because I tell you what, I just, I just don't want to play religious games no more. But there's some people in this building right now who said, you know what? My garden's a little dry. And then there's some that's going to say, you know what? I'm producing pretty good fruit. But I have learned today I can be so fruitful that I'm passing out produce all over town. <laughs> oh, that's what I've been wanting to do lately is just go out and pass out produce all over the Amen. I don't have enough peace to survive. I got enough peace to give you some peace. And I got enough joy to give you some joy. Because I am a productive farmer. So I'm going to give an altar call right now. And it's, it's a serious altar call for only the serious. That maybe you haven't been grabbed by God yet and placed into this enclosed place that is appropriate for you to become who God called you to be. But you feel the calling. Today's your day to come. Today is your day to come and say, I want in that garden of eternal life because in that garden is the tree of life and I can eat from that tree every day and always be full of life, Kobe. Always be full of the life of God. So there's all kind of people that needs to move out this morning, but as I, I'm not closing this, this, this service without joining together with you that you want to step out right now and say, I need God to replant some of the visions back in me, some of the dreams back in me. I've lost the sentiment I used to have for my God. The devil's stolen my worship and I'm stepping out this morning because I need divine intervention of the master gardener to plant, replant visions and dreams in my life. Come right now. Come right now. I'm going to wait on you a few minutes. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.